Welcome, future doctors, to another episode of the Future Minority Doctor Podcast with Dr. Sulma and Marina, where we bring you conversations to empower and inspire you to contribute to your community and the world by becoming a doctor. Hello, future doctors. In this episode, we are going to be discussing how to get great letters of recommendation. That's right. Not just good letters, but great letters of recommendation. Now, please realize that you do not have to be applying to medical school in the next few months or in the next cycle in order to benefit from this information. In fact, if you're still a few years away from applying, you're still going to learn a thing or two. Because the fact is, in order to get great letters of recommendation, you first need to find the opportunities and develop the relationships with people who will be eventually the people to write your letters. And if you're getting ready to apply in the next cycle, we also have some key tips for you about how to ask for letters to make sure that they are as strong as possible. So let's dive into our tips for getting great letters. First, the big major point I want to make is that you have to develop the relationships with people who may be able to write you letters down the road when it does come time to apply. The point of your letters of recommendation to medical school is to confirm to the admissions committee that you are someone who has what it takes to succeed in medical school, not just academically, but in terms of personal and in terms of interpersonal skills? Do you persevere in the face of challenges? Do you work well in a team? Are you likable? Do you communicate well? Have you gone above and beyond in your responsibilities? Are you humble and teachable? The more that your letter writers know about you, the more likely it is that they can write you not just a good letter, but a great one that really just sings your praises to the committee. One of the things that I struggled with in college was shyness. And basically just being afraid to talk to people, especially people in positions of authority. I was afraid of going to office hours. I was afraid of talking to my professors. I was basically afraid of approaching a lot of people. This did get better over time as I moved from being a freshman to a senior, but it still never felt completely comfortable. Now, unfortunately, this meant that when it came time to get letters of recommendation, I had not developed close relationships with very many people. Most medical schools will require at least two letters of recommendation from science professors. And I had been in most of my science classes with a lot of other students, you know, these big lecture halls, (laughs) big seminars. So I was really worried that my professors would not even remember me or they would not be willing to write me a letter because the fact was I hardly ever went to office hours. So they didn't really know me personally. Luckily, I did manage to get two professors who were happy to write letters for me in the end. One of them was a biochemistry professor who I had actually retaken a class from. And even though I had to retake that class, I think he was able to frame this as a positive thing, that I was someone who had perseverance and determination who didn't give up easily. I also gave him copies of my personal statement, my activities, and my transcripts so he had more information about me my background, and my experiences in order to be able to write a more comprehensive letter. My other letter was from, I think, a developmental biology professor who I took a seminar from. And luckily, this happened to be kind of a smaller class, and we had a lot of in-class discussions. So even though I rarely went to office hours, because it was a smaller class and a very discussion-based class, the professor did remember me, and she was able to remember like the times that I had 
um, presented ideas or made comments about cases or papers. But really, though, I wish I had done a better job of going to office hours and just talking to my professors so that I could ask questions about topics when I was confused or just ask for guidance in general. And that really would have helped so that they could get to know me better when it came time to ask for those letters. Dr. Z, how did you develop these personal relationships with people who wrote your letters, especially your science professors? Did you struggle like I did or were you more willing to put yourself out there? Yeah, I think it was very similar, but mine was more, I was intimidated by the professors and the school when I started college. And largely because there were so many students, like you said, the large lecturers. It probably wasn't until like my third year that I got more comfortable going to office hours. So it did take me quite some time. But my route was a little bit different since I completed my undergraduate degree and then went back to school. Then I went back to school to do my pre-med courses. And I did those at a community college. So they're smaller class sizes. So with the smaller class sizes, I was able to build better relationships with those professors. And by that time, I was totally okay with going to office hours all the time, (laughs) because I already had learned like that's what you do. And that's how I was able to create actually very close relationships like with my OCAM professors, my physics professors, who were the ones that wrote me letters of recommendations. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like you learned that lesson earlier on than I did. That's good. Like if you're someone who is more shy or more afraid, like I was, please, please, like work on putting yourself out there. It takes practice, but just, you know, you have to do it in order to get the kind of letters that are really going to make you shine on your application. Yeah. And can I add something, Dr. Marina? Um, For those students who go to community college first before they transfer, that's a great time because of the smaller class sizes. So if you are um, in community college, create those relationships with those science professors, go to their office hours, and um, and keep in touch with them. Even after you transfer out to what whichever four-year university you go to, keep in touch with them because since you're able to have a closer relationship with those professors, they will come in very handy later on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've known a lot of students who complete some of their prereqs like you did at a community college, and that's a great opportunity. But the major point here is that sometimes you have to step outside your comfort zone in order to develop those close relationships with the people that you take classes from or the people that you work with in some capacity, whether that's in research or in a job. If you're shy or afraid like I was, recognize that fear and go talk to your professor anyway. Recognize the fear and ask for guidance anyway. Volunteer for things anyway. Take initiative. I promise that the more you practice this, the easier it will get. And please start earlier than I did because it really took me much longer than it needed to. So looking back at my college experience 20 years later, I can't believe it's been that long, but it's (laughs) been 20 years since I was in college. Well, maybe a little less depending on what year you're looking at. But looking back, I can recognize that my shyness and my fears kept me from being the best version of myself. During my sophomore year, I worked as a lab assistant in an infectious diseases lab that was on the medical school near campus. 
The lab director was a physician scientist. She was very knowledgeable, very kind, but I didn't interact much with her because she had her own busy schedule and I was doing, you know, my lab responsibilities. But one day I remember she invited me into her office and we chatted for a while. She told me more about the lab and herself and just kind of asked how I was doing. And she said that if I ever wanted to get some research experience in the lab, she would be happy to help set me up with some basic experiments. And I could also work with her graduate students on some research studies. I remember at the time, I think I felt intrigued. I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. But I also kind of felt overwhelmed already with my classes, my workload, and my job. So I didn't really take her up on the offer at the time. But, you know, looking back, even if I didn't feel like I had that much extra time, I could have been more honest with her and said, you know, I'd love to get more involved in some research. But with my work and my class load, I only have X number of hours per week that I can devote. Is there something that I can contribute in that amount of time? Or I could have said, since I'm working here 10 hours a week through a federal work study program, could I use some of those hours toward helping with research projects? And I'm pretty sure she would have helped me figure out a way to just make it work, but I didn't take the initiative. So I ended up just doing the basics of what was required. I didn't go above and beyond in that situation. Now, it ended up being an okay experience, and it still added to my lab experience and my activity section, but it could have been better. It could have been more. Needless to say, I did not end up asking her for a letter. So please don't make the same mistake I made. Put yourself out there. Conquer your fears. Take initiative. You will accomplish more and let your genuine light shine if you do that. Dr. Zia, are there any things that you see now as a physician and as an attending about what makes a great student that you didn't realize when you were a student? I think when I've had students or scribes with me, I think just being sincere and being interested. I think the other, the other thing that makes a great student is when they're proactive. And that doesn't mean that you have to know everything, but that you're so willing to learn and that it really, really does interest you. And then also being responsible to like that you show up on time and and um, have res- having respect of the time for the physician that's trying to teach you. But more than anything, too, is just being a compassionate person and being yourself. We, we can tell when students are being themselves and when they're not. Um, And then when they're interested in learning that they're not just there just because, but because they want to learn asking questions. We don't expect you to know everything. We don't expect you to be perfect at all, but just that willingness to want to learn and, and showing that interest to becoming a doctor. Yeah, absolutely. I would echo that, that I really notice the difference now that I'm in this position and not a student between students who seem like they're eager to be there and they have questions and they have curiosity I love seeing that. I love getting questions from them. Now, I can't answer 50 questions, but I can answer a couple of questions. And it's just nice to see because when they ask questions, it seems like they're interested. Mm -hmm. And especially, you know, if they're genuine, you can kind of tell. And then just being on time, being professional, (laughs) um, telling them in advance if you're not going to be there, if you're like sick or whatever. You know, we understand everyone is human. And hopefully, the people you work with will also understand that. Um, But you know, don't text them 15 minutes after you were supposed to be there saying, Oh, I'm sick, I'm not going to make it like tell them as soon as you know, be professional and courteous of their time, because they have busy schedules. (laughs) And they need to know 
if you're not going to be there or not. Like maybe they were planning something or maybe they were relying on having you for a particular reason. So just be respectful of that time. Show genuine interest, particularly by asking questions here and there. Mm -hmm. All right. So one more thing about developing relationships. Make sure you stay humble and you stay teachable. (laughs) One of the biggest red flags that can show up in an application or in letters of recommendation is arrogance or just a lack of humility. Medical schools want students who are eager and willing to learn and even willing to change their perspective on things as they gain the knowledge and the experience. So make sure you stay humble and teachable throughout your education, even if you have that 4.0 GPA and you've published 10 papers. There is always something to learn. So stay humble because that's going to come across. People can tell if you're arrogant, and that's one of the worst red flags on an application. Now let's talk about how to ask for a letter of recommendation. I remember one of the best pieces of advice I got when I was asking for letters is this. Don't just ask someone if they can write you a letter. Always ask, can you write me a strong letter of recommendation? This helps them to decide whether they feel that they know you enough to actually sing your praises, not just write a bland, impersonal letter that says, ah, she got an A in my class, and that's all. Trust me, a letter that just says, Clara did well in my class, she has a 3.9 GPA, is not impressive. The admissions committee already knows your grades. They already know your GPA. They want to learn more about you as a person through your letters. So first, ask if they feel comfortable writing you a strong letter. Would you agree, Dr. Z? Oh, definitely. You want it to be strong and not generic that's been cut and paste. Exactly. (laughs) So then you basically have to give them some guidelines to make sure they understand what to include and make the letter as strong and impressive as possible. So I came up with a sample email that you can write. And we'll make sure that we post this on the website under the resources tab. So this is a sample email. Dear Professor Smith, I am in the process of preparing my applications for medical school. As part of my application, I need a few letters of recommendation from science professors. I really enjoyed taking your immunology class last spring, and I'm wondering if you would be willing to write a strong letter of recommendation on my behalf. Based on my research regarding what medical schools are looking for today, a strong letter of recommendation should include a description of the nature and length of our relationship, your assessment of my potential to succeed academically in medical school based on my performance in your course, and comments about my personality and interpersonal skills based on our interactions. The letter should be approximately one page in length and needs to be submitted through an online portal by May 1st, 2023. Thank you for taking the time to consider my request. Sincerely, Erica. Okay, so that's just a sample. What do you think, Dr. Z? Does that sound good to you? I think so. I think it sounds good. It sounds very respectful as well. Yeah. And it's actually something that I didn't completely do. I just kind of asked, can you write me a strong letter? But... Having read a lot of letters in the past, um, I think sometimes people need more guidance, honestly, because I've seen letters where it's just like one or two short paragraphs and it doesn't say anything about your personality or like, you know, it doesn't give those personal details. And so I think some people, some professors, they maybe just don't know. So the more guidance that you can give them on how to write a great letter, the better off it's going to be for you. And then also if they look at kind of that description of what they should include and then they think about it and they're like, well, 
I know you did well in my class, but I really don't know anything else about you. Maybe they're going to be honest with you and say, actually, I don't know if I can write you a strong letter. And it's best in the long run, because that way you will know that you can go move to someone else who will write you a strong letter. So if they end up saying yes to this request, wonderful. If they say no, please don't take it personally. Just think of someone else and send another request. I remember asking for a letter of recommendation for residency during medical school. There was a pediatric surgeon that I had done a rotation for with a month, and I felt like he had liked me and we had bonded over coming from similar backgrounds. So I sent him an email asking if he would be willing to write me a strong letter, and he actually said no. (laughs) He was honest with me, though, and he told me that he simply felt he didn't know me well enough and he didn't want to hurt my chances for residency by writing a weak letter. I appreciate that he was honest with me because I did not want a weak letter either. Has anyone ever declined to write you a letter, Dr. Z? Yeah, it was actually also for residency. I had asked an attending and they, for the similar reasons, not that they were trying to be mean, but they just didn't think they can write me a strong enough letter. So Uh yeah, very similar to your experience as well. But it's better to know. Mm-hmm. It's better not to be surprised and then not get into residency, right? Exactly. <laughs> or medical school. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. A few more points about how to ask for a letter. Give your letter writers plenty of time to write a letter. I cannot emphasize this enough. Ideally, at least two months, maybe even three if they are a really busy person or they travel a lot. When I was a student, I really didn't think about how long it takes, <laughs> but having written letters for a few people now... It does take at least one to two hours to write and to submit a great letter. If they're reviewing your personal statement, activities, and transcript, it may take even longer. Speaking of personal statements, activities, and transcripts, it is nice to provide these things so they have a fuller picture of you as a person, but it is not absolutely necessary. Some people put off asking for letters until they have these things completed, but this can delay the process because, you know, the application cycle opens up in May or June, and maybe you didn't have your personal statement polished and ready until May. That means you wouldn't be asking for your letters until May, and then it's going to take them two months to submit them and get processed, so it's putting you behind. So please, if you do not have all of your materials ready to go and polished, do not Stop yourself from asking for letters. They don't need to have those things. Those are just optional extras. And honestly, if they know you really well, they won't even need those things. They know you and they can talk about the experiences that they have had with you, which are the most important thing anyway. Also, sometimes giving them too much information can actually be counterproductive. I've seen letters where the letter writer just seems to have summarized everything in the personal statement and activities and really doesn't add much new information. When a committee is reviewing the whole application, they already read your personal statement. They already reviewed your activities. They already saw your GPA. So they want new information, not the same stuff that was summarized by someone else. I think, honestly, this mostly happens when the letter writer doesn't actually know the person very well. So what they do is just fill up space by summarizing. So like I said before, make sure your letter writers get to know you. Anything to add, Dr. Z? Yeah, I would echo giving the writer a good amount of time. I think when I've been approached, it does take me a while, especially because our schedules are so crazy. Um, Three months, I think, is a good time frame, as you mentioned. And then I would probably just a month before do a kindly reminder email to the person too, because it's not that 
we're putting the students off. It's just we get wrapped up in so many other things that are going on. So I've appreciated when I've had students like remind me, oh, just FYI, my letters do this date. And then I'm like, oh, thank God that they sent me an email <laughs> because I would forget if not. So absolutely. I should have said that too. Yeah, it really helps. I mean, I get like so many emails and it's easy to just kind of have one get lost in the pile of email. So sending a reminder a few weeks ahead of time can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Okay, just two more quick pieces of advice based on what I've seen. First of all, if you happen to have a family member, a family friend, or a neighbor who is a physician, it is best to avoid asking them for a letter of recommendation. It can be tempting because it's like, oh yeah, they know me, they like me, they're a physician, but please don't do it. Asking someone who is too close to you or your family based on a personal relationship can be risky because it can come off as nepotism. Of course, your family member or your neighbor is going to say nice things about you because they're your family or your friend. Maybe they saw you growing up or maybe you were best friends with their kid or you were your soccer coach or something like that. These are nice and all, but they can come off as awkward and suspicious in a letter. So my advice is do not ask them. Ask someone who has known you as an adult in an academic or professional setting. And then secondly, if you are reapplying, update your letters. I cannot (laughs) state this strongly enough. It reflects poorly on you if you do not take the time to ask for letter writers to update your letters. The truth is they don't even have to change anything except the date. If the committee is reviewing your application in 2023 and your letters are from 2020, then it's harder to believe that you've really put in the effort to improve your application since your last cycle. So please don't forget to update your letters if at all possible. Um, Anything to add, Dr. Z, about just getting great letters of recommendation? Yeah, I think um, you've summarized it well. As you said, if you ask somebody that you personally know, I think it loses credibility to the letter. So really trying to have someone that writes that letter recommendation that is not family, friends, or community members that are within your neighborhood that they've known you forever. We can tell. (laughs) We can tell when we read the letter. We can totally tell. Um, Uh So just make sure you don't fall into that thinking that, okay, I've checked off this checkbox because we're going to know. And it does a disservice to your application. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that includes actually like someone who was your physician. Like Mm -hmm. maybe it was your pediatrician growing up and then you wanted to shadow them. So you shadowed them for 20 hours. It's like, well, there's still kind of that history that Mm -hmm. makes it a little shady. So just don't do it. Find someone else. Trust Mm me. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, that's what we've got for you today in terms of getting great letters of recommendation. Remember, you don't have to be about to apply to medical school to benefit from this information. You have to start developing close relationships with the people who will write your letters right now, today, in your classes. So work on that. Don't wait until six months before you apply to start thinking about it. Trust us, you will be grateful that you did. So thank you for listening. Um, If you don't already follow us, make sure to follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and we're always trying to put more content out there. Sometimes we do it, sometimes we don't, but hang in there and hopefully you are benefiting from these episodes. If you have any requests for future episodes, if there's a topic that we haven't covered yet that you would really like to learn more about or get our advice about, please write to us. Go to our website, 
go to the contact us tab and just send us an email. Let us know. Also let us know if you're enjoying this podcast, if it's helping you and make sure to share it with your friends as well. Until next time, everyone. Peace and love.